All right, everyone, welcome back. We're doing our little bonus episode. It's going to be a live consultation between me and Cassandra. And um, if you've already listened to the previous episode, you'll know that Cassandra is a multi-talented, multi-accomplished singer-songwriter. And she is in the droves of building her team even further. She mentioned in her interview a few people that she relies on to help her out. But she's at a crossroads where she wants to build her team further. And so we thought we would do kind of like an impromptu consultation slash just discussion about the roadblocks uh, that you can come up against when you're building your team. So Cassandra, welcome back. And I want to um, first start with what is the biggest hurdle you're having right now when it comes to building your team? Hey, Suze. Uh, nice to be back. <laughs> so the biggest hurdle um, that I experience when in this in this space of building my team, it's the confident onboarding of people like people that I hire or people that I start working with who I'm not hiring, but we're working on some kind of a split or commission basis onboarding them confidently and then trusting that they're going to go out and crush it without me handholding them like every step of the way. So I think the management of the people that I bring onto my team and who want to be there, but I think I have a challenge with working with them in a productive way and like having them be in a space where they can be self-directed and producing results for the team without me needing to be involved in it at all times. Right. And, you know, I think this is a common thing for musicians, especially since, you know, you're somebody who has embraced this role of, as we call it, musicpreneur. You know, you understand that this is your business and that this is a career that you have to be at the forefront of. But I think it's hard, especially when musicians turn to other people to help them. Kind of the thinking is, well, I'm turning to you for help. So like you're the expert rather than standing in and embodying this role of leader and leading their team, which, you know, is hard to do. It's definitely a different mindset to get into. So, you know, my first question for you is when you're looking to fill a specific role, do you have a process for vetting or deciding on who you work with? Or is it just like you meet, you get a good feeling with somebody and you just start working together? Such a great question. So for me, like in a vacuum myself, I would totally be the second way. I would be like, wow, we met and I dig you and I looked at your website and it looks like you're really accomplished. And there are some key things that you've done for other people that I would love if we could do that together. So like, boom, let's work together. But with the assistance and guidance of one of the people that I work with on my team, who's actually my husband, Bogdan, he's been really helpful in starting to have a process for hiring people, which has involved an actually like official interview, like a real interview with these people, the requirement that they've actually heard my music, which like, I know that this sounds insane, but like, I never even thought of that before that like, if I was going to work with someone that they should know my music, like they should be able to tell me, like I heard this song and I liked that song and I liked this song. They should actually be familiar with the music. So as far as like creating, having a process, I think I have a better process now, but it's not like a, a firm process that I feel I could confidently execute on my own. You know, I think it's great that you have certain requirements and things that you ask. And I love that an interview process has definitely entered the the realm now of onboarding in your world. Do you have a list of non-negotiables in terms of who you're willing to work with and what you don't want with somebody? 
Not, I don't, I don't have one that is, um, that clear. I think that there are certain non-negotiables, um, for instance, um, if somebody is not technologically savvy enough, that's like a, an absolute, no, we're not going to work together. Um, if we, if I have an interview with somebody or talk with somebody and ask them to, um, speak about experiences that they've had and they're unable to pull any like individual case studies or any individual examples, then that's a pass for me in terms of there are other areas where like there are certain things that I'm looking for very clearly. Like I absolutely am clear that I'm looking for X results from these people. And I don't know that I've communicated that well enough in the vetting process. Right. Yeah. I think that that's something that a lot of us forget, especially I notice it happens in the music industry because this is a very collaborative world where, you know, and we're creative and we vibe with people and then it's like, okay, yes, let's work on a project together. But, you know, something I've learned in the last couple of years, the more I realize how important it is to think like an entrepreneur and, and, and look at this more as a, you know, a business. Um, Amy Porterfield has a great episode on her podcast and I'll put the link uh, in the show notes to this particular episode. She shares actually like her swipe file, her ad, so to speak, her classified for hiring a project manager and what that looks like and how she vets people and, you know, the process she takes people through on this inter- on this interview process and what she puts out there on social media and in her emails when she's looking for somebody. And I think the thing that was really eye-opening about it and something that I don't think any of us really think too much about in this industry is what you will and won't accept from basically an employee. I mean, I know a lot of this is collaboration and, you know, a lot of people work on commission or you split royalties or, you know, it's all different types of business models in terms of how you uh, bring somebody on your team. It's not always like, oh, I'm paying them a salary or I'm paying them an hourly rate or, you know, it can always be different. But in terms of, okay, I'm bringing you on to my team. This is what I will and won't tolerate. I'm looking for somebody, as you said, maybe tech savvy. I know people who won't tolerate people who smoke or drink on the job. But I mean, you know, because there are people who are like, yeah, I don't care. I'll smoke with you. But there are people who are like, I don't want that while you're working for me. You know, I've heard of non-negotiables of like, if I can't read, if you don't respond to my text within 24 hours, I don't appreciate that. Like, that's not how I work. Or some people are like, I need to communicate on Facebook Messenger. That's where I do my business. There are people that are like, you know, I need to be CC'd on every email. There are people like, I don't want to be CC'd on any email. Just give me a summer. You know, like all those little things of not so much trying to be like, hey, I think we should work together. Here's my list of things that you have to meet (laughs) before. You know, it's not so much like that, but just having a list for yourself, even if they never see it, so that you're super clear That just as you know, as a creative, what you want from somebody and you are like, oh, we're vibing. If you have a clear list, I want somebody who is up by a certain hour or who is available sometime during the night or who can travel with me or who can, you know, do A, B or C. Don't be afraid to get specific on what this dream collaboration would look like so that when you do meet that person, you'll feel that vibe because you already feel the vibe creatively because that's your wheelhouse and that's where you're most comfortable with. But if you get comfortable on the business side of things about what type of collaborative relationship 
business-wise you want, you'll pick up on that vibe more easily when you meet those people. So it's not necessarily a list that you have to share with them um, and come off as this like, you know, really strict, like, this is my tight ship and this is how I run it. But just something that you know, so that, you know, it's like dating. It's like, I won't tolerate A, B, or C because this matters to me and I'm passionate about it. And this is what I want in somebody who I work with. The advice that you're, it's so powerful because it's the reminder for me, gosh, I've thought of this afterwards so many times. And yet, like each time I re-enter this process, I forget to do it is talking about communication and, and, you know, specifically like you're saying, when are we going to talk? How often are we going to talk? What methods of communication are we going to use? You know, what methods do you prefer? If I need an answer right away, how do you prefer that I reach out to you? Timing, you know, what times are you available? Like this is like a, a kind of a, a major and key conversation for collaborating with somebody because like, as I'm finding things don't move forward when we're not in communication. And yet I run into the roadblock of like, I'm not sure. I I feel guilty about communicating. Like I'll literally like feel with certain people that I'm like, how much, how many emails can I send you a day? How many, you know, when can I call you? Uh, if you don't call me back, like you said, you know, if I don't hear back from you within a number of days, I'm left feeling really pissed off and resentful, you know, but we never talked about like that. I should expect you to be calling within a certain time frame, And you never made that commitment. Like you never said, okay, like, yes, I will promise and commit to uh, a response within X number of hours or whatever, you know, and I think as an artist that feels so nitpicky and it feels so unfeely and touchy and it feels so like I'm going to alienate you and you are not going to want to work with me because I'm obnoxious, you know, like, so how, what's your <laughs> advice for, for that, where it's like, I feel like when I speak with, with business people or do start collaborating with people in a business capacity, especially if I know that they're also a creative, like if they're also an artist themselves, uh, which is, you know, so many people now have, you know, hybrid, they're working in sync or in artist services or in they're a lawyer, but like, they're also a musician and an artist. I always end up feeling like if I push that conversation or even introduce that conversation that they'll get really squeamish and like, Oh God, like this is so like militant, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. That's a great question. And, and I think in the, let's call it as it is to, you know, being women, especially if you're collaborating with men, sorry, men, but you know, a lot of the times it becomes, Oh, I'm going to come off naggy or I'm going to come off too motherly or smotherly. And, you know, you know, so Mm -hmm. I do, I do think that, but I think this goes for men and women when you are, Hiring somebody, again, and especially as you had said, a lot of the times it's not so much like you're the clear boss. A lot of the times this is a collaborative effort and a partnership. But I always look at it as the way I tell artists to use split sheet agreements when they're co-writing a song, right? It's this like, ooh, if I give them a split sheet agreement, it's going to take the mood out of our songwriting session and da-da-da. But what most of them find is that when they say to, okay, listen, I'm really excited to be writing together before we leave today. I just want us to fill out the split sheet agreement. That way, before we leave, we have a clear understanding about who contributed what, and I'll keep the paperwork straight and blah, blah, blah. More more often than not, the other party feels at ease about that because somebody else is taking care of that and there are boundaries set. And people respond to boundaries. People like when they know where they stand with somebody. 
So what I would do when onboarding somebody to your team, like I said, you don't want to like come at them right out the gate and say, I think we should work together. And here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. And here's how I like my coffee. And even though you're not going to get me coffee, (laughs) know that, you know, like all that stuff, I think you should meet. And if you decide to work together, say, okay, I'm really excited about this. I'd like to have a 15, 20 minute conversation when you have time, just so we can, before working together, making sure this is a good fit. I'd like to just set some expectations. So let's calendar a phone call or meet it, you know, grab coffee, depending, you know, if you guys live nearby and say, you know, I'm going to bring to the table certain things that I'm looking for and how I like to work with somebody. And please feel free to do the same Um, because a lot of the times they've never thought about this. (laughs) So giving them an opportunity, you know, giving them a week or a few days to say, listen, I like to, before jumping in fully, I like to have a sit down and just go over some key things of, of expectations and goals and, and everything like that. And I'd like you to feel free to do the same and we'll meet at this time. And then when you meet, you know, again, 15 minutes, you know, it doesn't have to be a whole hour of, you know, your likes and your dislikes and your pet peeves, but basically just putting, and then maybe following up with an email saying, you know, this is what I expect from us. And here's what, you know, and not just what you expect from them, but like when I work with clients, if it's an ongoing process, what they'll get is a uh, contract from me. And inside the contract, it has a list of expectations, what I expect from them, but what also they expect from me. Because if I'm not holding up my end of the bargain, they can take certain actions to cure, to hold me accountable. So also by listing, you know, listen, I expect us to touch base at least once a week via email or via phone call. And I promise to hold up this end of the bargain, you know, and listing that out. And in, and instead of making it militant, just explaining how this is beneficial to both of you to get this all out in the open and set these boundaries so that you can both have the most successful collaboration. And I think taking the time to do that will show the other person, oh, this person is in it. They're in, invested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're invested in me as a collaborator they're invested in their own success and that's inspiring to that person too. So I think if you just come at it as let's have a separate conversation, here's, you know, what we're going to talk about in this conversation, take your take a moment to get your own list together and then let's really talk this out. And I think if you just make it like a 15-minute conversation and you solidify it with a written, you know, reminder of a clear delineation of what you guys have agreed upon, I think it can really make things smooth going forward. Thank you. That's, I mean, I totally just took notes. I was like taking all these notes. Um, <laughs> but I, I, a follow-up question to that is if you're already working with somebody, particularly somebody who you might've worked for or worked with um, for a while and you can see that there's kind of a, a breakdown in the flow, like how would you course correct? Like, cause you know, I feel it's all feelings with artists, but it's like, I feel like, if, um, you know, if I were to, to broach that topic with somebody that I work with, with whom I'm feeling like, Hey, like we're not really moving forward. And I feel like you should be doing more, but you're probably waiting on me for a bunch of stuff. Like, so like somewhere in here, we maybe either failed to have this conversation, the one that you just talked about and, or like we had it, but it's, it's been sliding. How do you course correct to like leave people feeling empowered and inspired and not like, Oh, I just got like, you know, reprimanded. because right. <laughs> you think that I stopped, you Right. Know? No, it's a great question. So, you know, if you're already working with somebody, what I would do is first, I would give them an opportunity to be like, 
you see this too, right? Like, you know, giving that, so, you know, reaching out and saying, Hey, I don't know about you, but like, I've just been feeling like we're out of sync. I just want to regroup a little bit to move forward. You know, how are you feeling? Do you feel that too? And they're either not aware of it and it might wake them up and be like, Oh, okay. Or they might be feeling it too, but they don't know how to broach you about it. And it might just be like, Oh my gosh, yes. Thank you. I've been feeling the same way. And you're opening up a door to let them explain something or share something that maybe they weren't sure how to talk to you about. Because usually if you're feeling it, you're not the only one. But if you come at it from like, hey, I feel just we're out of sync. It's not attacking them and saying like, hey, you're screwing this up. And we need to like, reel this back in. You know, it's just saying to them, we're not, you know, we're not in sync. And so can we can we just grab a cup of coffee or hop on the phone and regroup. And when that conversation comes, I would just take a moment and say, Hey, you know, I just wanted to touch base. I want to see how you're feeling about this collaboration. I want to see if your goals and expectations are being met and really put it on them first. Um, you know, I've dealt with uh, partners in the past where I was like, Oh my God, I can't like, I don't want to have this conversation because I don't want them to feel like I'm attacking them. And as soon as I broached the subject that way, the water gates opened and it was like, Oh my gosh, yes, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't know how I felt like you were picking up on that too, but I didn't know how to tell you this or, you know, I'm having reservations or there's something personal I'm going through right now. And I could really use some leeway or if we could hit pause on this, you know, you never know what's going to come out of it, but they usually can anticipate this. And so if you just give them the op- the floor to identify it in their own words first, then it allow it gets you off the hook of having to be the bad guy and saying to them, you're failing here, you're missing this, you're doing this wrong. And it gives them an opportunity to take ownership of it and just say, yeah, you're right. Actually, I'm not performing at my best and this is why. And maybe we could correct this. Or they might come at you and say, well, yeah, I felt that you were doing this or, you know, this was, um, I misinterpreted what you said here. You know, you might find that they're going to come at you and say something where you have to, you know, steady yourself and not take it personally because you're coming at this from a more emotionally mature place (laughs) than Mm -hmm. they might be because you're doing this work. You know, you're seeing what needs to be talked about and just keep your cool and say, you know, address any miscommunications, any misunderstandings, and ultimately don't come at it for tit for tat, or you did this, or but I did this, or I only did this because you said that, you know, rather than staying in the past with it, address it and then say, okay, so moving forward, what do you suggest? What can I bring to the table to help you, you know, Mm -hmm. coming at it, as you've said, a giver's gain attitude And say, where can we, where do you suggest we plug the holes here? And if they don't have any suggestions and you are free to say, okay, well, here's what I need. Right. You know, and here's what I would like to see. And ultimately, you're going to say those things anyway. But giving them a chance to lead that discussion can take the sting out of it. Yeah, that's a good reminder to, you know, allow them the floor rather than feeling like, you know, I need to be the one to direct and provide the answers. Right. And, you know, sometimes it really can just be a matter of like, Hey, listen, you know, you've, you've been off lately. You haven't been responding to my phone calls. Is everything okay? Maybe it's that, but if it's, if you just really feel like this is so messy (laughs) at this point that you need a, a real sit down to recalibrate, 
then that's how I would go about it. Yeah. And that's also such a great reminder of like, you know, the, the impulses to kind of go at people and be like, why are you sucking rather than like, yeah. are you okay? You know, cause like, right. you're right. Sometimes there is something operating in the background with people that is making them fall out of communication. And like, I mean, whatever that is, you know, whether it's something that you can tolerate or not, like at least finding out where they are first before like diving in on like why you haven't been effective in some expected way. Right. And you'll know, like if they come at you like, no, why? Everything's fine. Like, what's the problem? Then the bells are going off. Like, okay, maybe this isn't who I need to continue to work with. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, no doubt. Right. Exactly. So yeah, it's definitely, you know, the, the building, not only building a team, but the management of the team, you know, like I feel like I'm actually very, very good at attracting people who dig what I'm doing and who want to work together but then actually creating the possibilities for working with them and like structuring the work and then like actually doing it. It's right. like, so, Oh, it's a, um, a challenge. <laughs> yeah. It's and a challenge I, I think, for me. Oh, excuse me. I think it's helpful to set little reminders. Like I love that you already know, like I don't want to micro task. Like I don't want to micromanage my team. And I think that's great because you'll empower then whoever you bring on board. But I think it's also as somebody who's running this company and running the head of this brand that, you know, to schedule at least a monthly check-in or a weekly email where it's just like, Hey, how's it going? Do you have any, has any questions come up? Have we changed course at all? You know, just the basic touching base thing. And that would allow you to lead them without micromanaging and saying like, can I see this before it goes out? Or let me, you know, let me redo this. Or, you know, you're not hovering over them but you're there and you're checking in before their situation gets so out of control that they're like, Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, like there was an issue with this, or I meant to touch base with you, but this kind of got away from me. And, you know, because at the end of the day is it is up to you to be the one to do the check-in. Totally. Cool. Um, thank you so much, Suze. That's really, you know, this has been very, uh, focusing and very helpful. Well, thank you for allowing me to to tap into what you're going through right now and, and use you as an example for our listeners. I really appreciate your time. Definitely, definitely.